Hi everyone, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Thanks for joining us today as we take a moment to remember one of our most endearing and loyal friends within the Wizarding World. Um, many of you joining us may have already heard the news that echoed across the Wizarding channels across the world and, and really just tugged at the heartstrings of every witch and wizard with the passing of Robbie Coltrane. Um, Robbie, of course, was the actor cast behind the role of Hagrid and who really brought the character to life in the eyes of so many. Um, Robbie was known to just be a magical person, both on and off the set of Harry Potter. You know, we think of character actors in Hollywood, such as like Jared Leto, John Goodman, Johnny Depp. But I think that we can easily throw Robbie into this category as well, because Robbie in so many ways personified Hagrid in everyday life. Just a walking reflection of the lovable, friendly, fatherly figure that we see in Hagrid. And with Robbie's passing, it's caused many of us here at the Slug Club to just pause and reflect on his many accomplishments, how much the character he portrayed means to us, and how thankful we are for his work throughout the series. Um, but before we get any further, let's not forget about introductions. Hi, I'm Justin from Hufflepuff. Also joining me today is the head of the Slug Club Friendsgiving Committee, mostly because she makes the best rock cake, dragon egg cake balls, and troll bogeys you ever did taste. It's Abby from Ravenclaw. Hey, everyone. I was like, Friendsgiving? Who is that going to be? And then you were like, talking about baking, and I was like, well, that can't be me, so. <laughs> My rock cakes do not taste good. Taste. Tastes more rock than cake. Yeah. <laughs> I failed two classes at Hogwarts. That was home economics and potions. <laughs> and joining us also, just finishing the final touches on her Harry Potter-themed Christmas tree, decking the halls while rehearsing for her solo in the Hogwarts Christmas special, Ring the Hogwarts Bell. It's Liz from Slytherin. Ring the Hogwarts Bell. Oh. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Ring the Hogwarts bell. That was me. That was just me replying. Hi, guys. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, not joining us for the first time ever is my brother Rob, who, of course, has never read the books. Um, Rob was scheduled to join us here on the podcast today. He said he was available. We even got confirmation from his wife saying that he would be fine to jump onto the <laughs> podcast. But I do know that the new Pokemon game came out yesterday. And so I'm not throwing out the chance that Rob has skipped recording to just keep on playing Pokemon in search for that Jolteon that he's been hunting for. Checks out. I gotta say, though, this new Pokemon game doesn't really grab me. I don't know. Oh, really? It only has a lot. Of, uh, uh, see, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe eventually I'll play it, but it's just not grabbing me. And apparently there's a lot of bugs with it. Like, have you seen them? Um, There was. So I've played the first two hours. Rob and I were up until like three o'clock in the morning playing Jeez. last night. And um, yeah, so the odds are, odds are Rob was playing until four o'clock in the morning. I went to bed before he did. And so Rob was probably up till four o'clock in the morning playing the game. And then woke up middle of the day, started playing again. <laughs> I actually, I think I like the game a little bit more than I thought I would. But then again, you know, I've only played the first two or three hours. Mm. I will say that this is the best character customization in any of the games ahead of it. Really? Because okay. like you can customize the eyebrows, the eyes, the face, the hair. Okay. I guess that tempts me a tiny bit more. Also, they have my exact hairstyle in the game. So that's a big draw for me as well. <laughs> You're like, it's me. I'm a Pokemon. You are in the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is incredible. It's like, you know, just living out your best dream. <laughs> well, I know Rob isn't here with us today, but he has sent in a what appears to be a script that he had arranged with another advertisement for this week's episode. Um, and, you know, of course, we want to honor the advertisement. 
Abby and Liz, have you guys gotten a chance to look over the script? Um, yeah, I did. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I'm kind of a little concerned about the verbiage on the script. Why? What do you mean? I mean, it's kind of a little suggestive, right? Like, I feel like... You think so? I mean, you didn't see it? I mean, listen, like Hagrid trusts Albus Dumbledore, I trust Rob. (laughs) I don't. I'm sure that I'm sure that everything will be fine. We should do it. We should do it. Come on, come on, come on. Here, here, here. Let's open it up. It's handwritten. <laughs> Who handwrites things anymore? I know. It's Some like a baby story. Figure out. <laughs> Some things have been redacted, so you got to read around it. And of course, he's left-handed, so like some of the words are smudged as he's writing. <laughs> So please bear with us as we go through this. We definitely don't want to disappoint our sponsor with missing out on the opportunity of including them in the podcast. But um, this, I, I believe, this is uh, our advertisement for the podcast. Okay. Well, I'll begin, shall I? Indeed. We open with a group of Hogwarts students leaving the Quidditch pitch. They're in good spirits. The sound of laughter and the clapping of high fives fill the air. Following distantly, however, is a preteen Hufflepuff with his head stooped low, concealing his broomstick in his cloak as he plods along. A female classmate takes notice of his dejection and catches up to him. Cue Abby. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Abby, we just cued you three times. (laughs) did we lose her in the recording okay so no it's on my phone and i can't like go from one separate page to another so oh because if i do it like cancels out my voice so that's what was happening i forgot um hold on maybe i can airdrop these to my ipad i was about to be like abby (laughs) dayman Fighter of the Nightman. <laughs> you once were a boy, and now you're a man, and now I am in love with you. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what I should have said when Abby was blowing her lines? I should have been oh like, God. It's, it's a dead air out there. Somebody's got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> this child is a blessing. <laughs> 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 Stole the show. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Look, look, they're digging my walk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I airdropped them. So, do we want to start over? We open with a group of Hogwarts students leaving the Quidditch pitch. They're in good spirits. The sound of laughter and the clapping of high fives fill the air. Following distantly, however, is a preteen Hufflepuff with his head stooped low concealing his broomstick in his cloak as he plods along. A female classmate takes notice of his dejection and catches up to him. Hey there, Ash. You doing all right? Ash, of course. Pokemon. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, hey there, Holly. I'm, I'm fine, I guess. Oh, come on. It's got you so glum. It's just... It's, it's my broomstick. Nobody wants to ride it. It's so bristly and rough. All the other chaps make fun of me. Ash pulls out his broomstick from his cloak. (laughs) It's not terrible, but nobody really cares that much about what someone's broomstick looks like. Come on. (laughs) These blokes do. Just look at them. Ash gestures to a group of boys comparing and admiring each other's broomsticks. Well, we are at a British boarding school, but that's just the guys. Miss Broomhilda Ryder said it's the worst she's seen in 300 years. And she's the Flyers trainer instructor. Just imagine all the broomsticks she's seen in her time. Well, if it bothers you so much, maybe you can try using this broom servicing kit. Holly displays the kit to meet our product placement obligations. Each broom servicing kit comes complete with a jar of Fleetwood's High finish handle polish, a brass clip-on compass, and a pair of silver tail twig clippers because a broomstick just looks better 
when you trim the twigs. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. Thanks to my new broom servicing kit soon, everyone will want to take a ride on my broomstick. Girls? Guys? Oh, oh, you know what? I hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> the broom servicing kit is an actual thing from the books. Our sponsor is going to drop us this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> the broom servicing kit. No one cares what your broomstick looks like. Well, I do think that fulfills our contractual obligations, at least for the time being. Um, Rob, hopefully we made you proud. I, I'm proud that we were able to read your handwriting. Yeah, honestly, You're that here. was the most impressive. Proud of all of us. But jumping back to the main topic of today's podcast is, of course, Hagrid and Robbie Coltrane. Personally, I think Hagrid is one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter to begin with. I mean, I've said many times on this podcast that I really felt like Harry should have named one of his kids Hagrid instead of maybe even a Severus Snake. Agreed. However, if you hear the name Hagrid, it is kind of gruff sounding, but so is Severus Snape. Like, it doesn't necessarily can't get sound the girls as... weak in the knees. <laughs> <laughs> it can't sound any worse than Albus Severus, though. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. I know that when we heard the passing of Robbie Coltrane, I don't know, it kind of put me in a place where I was like, man, like, it's crazy to think that these people that are so... They have put in so much work into Harry Potter and like the Harry Potter franchise has meant so much to us growing up and it's been a part of our childhood. It's it's this interesting feeling like watching and hearing about these people like, you know, getting older and passing. Yeah. So for me, I mean, my only real experience with Robbie Coltrane was from Harry Potter and then having watched James Bond, the Pierce Brosnan editions as an adult. So, um, Oh, is he in those? He is. He plays the Russian guy who's a friend of Bond. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Some of the first movies we watched in COVID. Well, you gotta look them up. But, um, it was, I mean, I think we all know that, you know, these actors and these characters, they're mortal. And even in Harry Potter at some time, Hagrid would have to die. You just don't really like think about it or think that it's real until it happens. And it was incredibly sad. But I think it comes back to um, what he said in the 25th and was it the 25th, 20th anniversary where. Um, yeah, 20th. Yeah, that these movies are going to live on for 50, 100 years. And even though he won't be here, Hagrid would be so. Which is, of course, like the most Hagrid thing to say ever. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, it gets you emotion. Like, I remember watching it and feeling emotional over that. I was like, oh. But then it's like, you know, when he passed, that was like the first thing I thought of. And I was just like, you know, makes it way more sad. Mm-hmm. You think that he probably knew what was For happening. Sure. You know, he had something that was lingering and that he, he had, knew that his time yeah, was there coming. Was, there was definitely like some sort of an inkling, I think, that he knew, like, you know, that's, not for much longer. And I guess something that kind of makes it even more sad is he seemed very at peace with it. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know why that seems more sad to me because it's like, you know, the rest of us were just like, don't say that. That's so sad. And it's like, oh. Yeah, maybe not sad for me, but maybe endearing. Just kind of reminding me of like all the different reasons why, you know, Hagrid means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And of course, Hagrid is one of the characters that is in Harry Potter. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know Hagrid well. Um, I would assume so, at least. Um, he's one of the main figures that is in and out of Harry's life um, as he's at Hogwarts and as he continues on throughout his fictional life. Hagrid has this, this almost like a fatherly role, I would say, for Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he shows up. And he brings this like sense of comfort and security and adventure into the mix in his life. And, um, you know, he saves him from this environment that has nothing but abuse and neglect in it. And he shows him this new world that's out there. 
there, there, there's a lot to, you know, that goes into Hagrid. He's just such a lovable character, not only for Harry, but for, you know, everybody minus the Malfoys. <laughs> I think even um, to that point, like Hagrid was the one who brought Harry to number one, Privet Drive, three, whatever number it is, Privet Drive. And he was the one who took him from Privet Drive as well. So like, he started to come from a shack in the rain. No, 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 no. I'm talking about book seven. Oh, yeah, my bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, when he showed up potters. in like yeah, Battle yeah, yeah. of Seven Potters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he really does seem like this parental figure in Harry's life because he's the one who, I mean, was there for him from the start and at the end. Well, and he even said to Harry, like, right, um, you know, before everything hit the fan with uh, that you know, in that particular moment when everyone showed up and took the Polyjuice potion and paired up with, like, who they would be, uh, you know, leaving the house with, he said to Harry, it's like how I brought you here, you know, because he came with Sirius's motorbike, and he's like, this is how I brought you here when you were a baby, and then Hagrid was, like, getting emotional over it a little. It was just kind of like, oh. Mm-hmm. I was watching a TikTok um, recently, as I do with most of my day, and, mm-hmm. um, It was one of those things that are on trend where they find the real husband material of a movie. (laughs) And the case was for Hagrid, like gives good gifts. And you see the scene where he's holding Hedwig up in front of the window. (laughs) Remembers important dates and it's got the happy birthday Harry cake. Spelled wrong. <laughs> but it was cute. If you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely look it up. But it, I, I, have I not think seen it shows it. a really good case for Hagrid's character too, which is this like a really good friend and somebody who genuinely cares about the people in their lives. Like if Hagrid cares for you, you know, like he, there's no question about it. You know, mm-hmm. which it's is just interesting that, like, that he was placed in Gryffindor. Was I was right. I was about to say the same thing. Because he is such a loyal friend that I feel like his loyalty is his strongest suit, which would put him in Hufflepuff. Well, as Dumbledore says, sometimes I think we sort too soon. Yeah, there's a fair point in that. I mean, you look at his loyalty to Dumbledore, you look at his loyalty to Harry, his um, friendships with, you know, wild animals or beasts, even. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, to me, it just screams Hufflepuff. But... I mean, also in all of that, in being so loyal to Dumbledore, being so closely tied with Harry, there's also this strong sense of courage that goes with that. You know, anytime someone says something against Dumbledore, who's the first person to defend him? It's Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore will be like completely unfazed by whatever rude thing someone said and Hagrid's ready to throw hands. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe there's a little bit of headstrongness with Hagrid too. So for sure. I but I think like part of that too might have been like Hagrid lost so much like as a kid, right? So I think like Dumbledore for him like almost became a father figure. And mm-hmm. so that's why he's just like so undyingly loyal to him is because like that's really almost like all he really had. That's true. We saw we or we know that Hagrid was expelled. Mm-hmm. in his early years of Hogwarts, but Dumbledore kept him living at the castle. Yep, he um, hired him on as, like, gamekeeper for, like... Well, and right at the time, the map, Dumbledore right? wasn't the headmaster. Dumbledore yeah, at the time was Transfiguration Professor, right? And so, yeah. at the time, I believe Dumbledore was the one that vouched for him to mm-hmm. the headmaster at the time, which was Armando Dippet, to be trained as the yeah. gamekeeper at Hogwarts. Because everyone was ready to believe that he was the one that uh, opened the Chamber of Secrets. Which, does Arachnomantia even petrify people? They don't, but they when they get big enough, they can eat you, right? We learned that, so. Mm-hmm. So, like, all these students are being petrified. They're looking for somebody to pin it on, of course. And Tom Riddle comes around, and he's like, oh, well, I don't want the school to shut down. I don't want to go back to the orphanage. That would suck have to go back and torture more kids muggles how boring it's kind of beneath me maybe (laughs) i'll pin it on hagrid who and hagrid was kind of known to be a little bit of a um a troublemaker in his day 
I mean, he was known to just because bring of like, in all the animals. Critters. Yeah. He was known to like. I, I think there was a rumor that he was trying to raise werewolf cubs underneath his bed. At one too. point, he would sneak out into the forbidden forest and wrestle with trolls at certain times as well. And then also bringing in Aragog, too. Um, so, I mean, Hagrid had this history. You know, he had this reputation of being kind of a troublemaker, but having a good spirit and good heart, which is, of course, why he was still there at Hogwarts. And he's he's he just was looking for somebody to pin it on. But, like, wouldn't the people around campus, like, you have Dumbledore there, who's one of the b- most brilliant minds in the wizarding world. You have Armando Dippet, who I'm sure is very smart and intelligent and wise. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be somebody who's familiar with Acromantula to know that that's not something that they do. Yeah. I mean, that's something that unfortunately was never really elaborated further on, right? Was like when the blame was pinned on Hagrid, like what exactly followed after. It's just very like basic. Well, he was expelled. His wand was taken away. Dumbledore advocated for him to still be able to like stay at Hogwarts as basically an employee at such a young age. You know, he was still like sort of given magical abilities, like the pink umbrella that he carries around. I don't know. So it's like, that's all we really know. But it's like, we don't know like what other further conversations were had on his behalf. If Hagrid was like, no, it was just the spider. And maybe like, you know, he was able to show it and they were like, well, okay, yeah, like this is like this, but everyone's convinced that, you know, maybe we're controlling something else. I don't know, you know, like it's kind of a shame that we don't know what was said on his behalf to make it so that way he wasn't just not only expelled, but like sent to Azkaban. Because I feel like petrifying a bunch of kids and one of them dying, you know, it's pretty malicious. That's not an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at the bestiary, the unofficial Harry Potter bestiary guide that I have, and Acromanchi, I mean, it, it just keeps on saying that it's a carnivorous predator, prefers large prey, it has a spin dome-shaped webs, can have ability to speak, but I mean, to my knowledge, it has a tendency to eat its victims. But I mean, a baby, the size that Aragog was when Hagrid was found was not big enough to eat a child, I don't think. That's true. That's probably true. If he was keeping him in the dorm. Right. So maybe so, that was the case, that it was like, oh, the spider's just not strong enough? Mm-hmm. But even then, bring Newt Scamander onto the trial. Put him on the stand. Right. I'm surprised Newt wasn't all over that. Keep him in my, uh, keep him in his little, um, briefcase. Maybe Newt was there and just mumbled so much that nobody could understand what he was saying (laughs) total possibility yep but abby you had mentioned earlier too that hagrid had gone through this significant loss in his life and kind of looked at dumbledore as a fatherly figure when we look at hagrid and we look at his backstory he is half giant of course he stands you know 11 feet six inches tall he's born in 1928 near the forest of dean which is in the west country of england And his parents was a wizard named Mr. Hagrid and then a giantess, Fridwolfa. 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 Ooh, I like that. They sound like (laughs) Eastern European, Fridwolfa. But I think Hagrid at some point recounts to Harry, at least, that his mom had left him and his father when he was at a young age, at the age of three, and it left... He and his dad alone, and of course, by the time Hagrid was six, I mean, he outgrew his father, who was known to be a short man. And by the time Hagrid was in his second year at Hogwarts, his dad had passed away for whatever reason. And so you have this orphan half-giant who is now being expelled from Hogwarts. It just, I don't know, man, it just paints a really bleak picture. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, it kind of makes it like almost more sad that he was like so drawn to animals, right? Because he had like no one else. And so it's like he had all this love to give. So he was just like giving it to like all these creatures that people were like, well, that's a dangerous thing. You shouldn't be doing that. And he's just like, well, they're just misunderstood because he probably like throughout his whole life felt misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So he almost related to it. 
And I'm sure, too, that there were probably people at the school who looked at him as a half giant and thought, oh, like this monstrosity, you know, this this haphazard of of witchcraft and magic, you know, um, kind of looking at him as if he was like a centaur. Mm -hmm. At least Remus, you know, I mean, him being a werewolf, he could hide it most of the time. Like Hagrid, he, as a half giant, you're, there's no hiding that. It's the opposite mm-hmm. of hiding. Like you're the there's first no hiding when you're 11 see. feet tall. Right. But of course, despite whatever efforts there was to keep him enrolled at school, he was expelled from the school. His wand was broken. We do see Hagrid later on in life carrying around a pink umbrella, which he's able to manipulate as a means of casting magical spells. It's rumored that his pink umbrella might have contained fragments of his old wand. He did say to Ollivander that he kept the pieces. If I remember correctly, in the book, it said that he held his pink umbrella a little tighter. Oh. And Ollivander said, but you're not using them or whatever. And he's like, oh, no, of course not. I mean, Dumbledore's a clever dude. Like, obviously, he's not a wand maker, but... I... Oh, Dumbledore knows, for sure. Well, no, yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, he's clever so it's like while he's not a wand maker he probably was able to manipulate like those pieces into the umbrella Mm -hmm. what's that wand gregorovich or something because he was like in prison right or something get that black market wand yeah (laughs) which i'm sure is not that hard to do no probably not can't be that hard i mean i don't know i guess i have never tried (laughs) oh i wonder some failed wand he failed out of or flunked out of them wand school because <laughs> they were a little too dangerous and he sells them out in Nocturne Alley. I'm sure I'm sure there's a market <laughs> for it. This has a uh, low budget Etsy account for uh, mm-hmm. for budget wands. The way he gets around it is it's all online sales. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. How could he know? <laughs> Only wizards knew how to use the Internet. It makes me wonder, like, the fall of Hagrid, if that's one of the reasons behind Dumbledore kind of taking on more responsibility at either the campus or in the wizarding world in general. I don't know. It seems to me like this is kind of a pivotal moment, at least maybe in Dumbledore's life, where he sees this, like, innocent person that's been pinned, and he sees Mm. the person that pinned him, or who he suspects pinned it on him, as this kid that he brought in. So maybe Mm -hmm. Dumbledore even feels a little bit of responsibility in it at all. Tom Riddle did say that Dumbledore kept an annoyingly close watch on him after that. But I'm sure that uh, Dumbledore also just like, I wouldn't say he felt very responsible, but he definitely knew that advocating for young Tom Riddle like brought about all of this. And he probably had an inkling that maybe it would get worse. But I think also he might have just had this empathy for Hagrid as well because um, Dumbledore knows like loss, right? Like he lost his parents when he was young and he lost his sister. He lost like a best friend slash lover and Mm -hmm. um, lost a brother kind of along the way. Like while Aberforth is very much alive and well, like his relationship was strained up until his death, right? Like they did not really get along. It was very like, there's a lot of like, underlying resentment from well or maybe not so much underlying resentment coming from Aberforth and so I think like Dumbledore just had a lot of empathy towards Hagrid and who had already experienced so much loss and so he was just trying to do what he could to like shield him you know in book one we meet Hagrid for the first time we also see Hagrid playing his role as gamekeeper. We see him as this animal lover who sometimes forgets the importance of his tasks in order to achieve an animal. And by that, I mean telling the secret of Fluffy to Professor Quirrell slash Lord Voldemort in order to get a dragon egg. It was his lifelong dream. <laughs> it was his lifelong dream. Um, but then we also see Hagrid as, again, this animal lover as he takes the students who are in detention out into the Forbidden Forest in search of this wounded unicorn so that they can either treat it or put it out of its misery, right? Right. In book two, all we really see of Hagrid is this whole Aragog getting expelled, like learning his backstory. Mm-hmm. 
in book three, we have the issue of the hippogriff. So, I mean, again, he's still painted as this animal lover that we know where he um, becomes care of magical well, he creatures, professor, right. and wants to, um, really wants to be a good teacher, but doesn't know limits of liability versus education, right? Hey, it's also, always better to ask being... for forgiveness than to ask for permission. <laughs> but for sure, then but you get your hippogriff killed. A... But he's a full-grown human half-giant, and then there's a bunch of literal children <laughs> like, right. being exposed to these potentially dangerous animals if you don't respect them. And, of course, kids are little snot-nosed punks sometimes that don't want to listen to the rules, Malfoy, and mm. it can, uh, you know, cause someone to get slashed a little bit. Nothing and but then you learn about flabber worms for the rest of the year. <laughs> so true. <laughs> In book four, we um, see a different side of Hagrid where he meets Madame Maxime. And, you know, he starts trying to change his appearance to make himself more attractive with his orange furry suit and his hair slicked back. <laughs> I thought it was Which a furry suit and an orange and an orange tie. Oh yes, I just, furry suit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, was I mean an orange furry suit sounds like something from Sesame Street. <laughs> I was envisioning Fred Flintstone. I mean almost. <laughs> In book five, Hagrid is missing for like the first half of the school year. And this is where that courage and bravery comes in because we find out that he was out with Madame Maxime trying to get giants to join Dumbledore's side because they had found out Voldemort was also trying to gather giants for his side. That was a lost cause, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, he got to spend a little Elvis cozy time with Madame Maxime. So I'm pretty sure he didn't think it was a total lost cause. You know, there was a breaking up afterwards, them. right? Didn't they break uh, up afterwards? I mean, they were never, like, officially together. I think that... I don't know, they were they sent together were... because they were both, like, half-giant, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure both of them weren't complaining <laughs> about the company. Hagrid was definitely uh, saying very positive things about her when he got back. He said, you know, you wouldn't believe it looking at her. She seems like a, fit, like a nice, proper lady, but she's, like, not afraid to, like, get out there and, like get some dirt under her fingernails sort of thing you know like he was just like man like Adam Maxine yeah <laughs> can do it all get you a woman that does both and what I mean I'm at a loss I'm trying to think of where do we see Hagrid in book six other than they get Hagrid's help for when Katie gets cursed well and um you know Harry tells Hagrid that he thinks that Snape is like you know helping Malfoy with something and Hagrid's like no like Dumbledore trusts Snape so I trust Snape blah 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 like that sort of thing book six and then, is the death of Aragog oh that's right yeah, I guess it that's is right. yeah that's we see that so that's like the pivotal moment for the Felix Felicis mm -hmm. it is between him Slughorn and Hagrid yeah because of Hagrid's you know connection to the spider that uh they spider like it's just a common house spider but um like Slughorn was there for it and they got drunk and that's how Harry was able to get that very pivotal piece of information from Slughorn. That scene is like one of my favorite scenes of Hagrid. His character really shines in that moment when they're like in his hut and they're drinking and they're just like singing jolly songs, you know, mm -hmm. and just like having these heart to heart moments together. I agree. I feel like Hagrid probably doesn't get too many moments like that, right? So... You know, just especially in a moment where he was feeling so low because while Harry didn't really have any warm feelings towards Aragog because he definitely tried to eat him and Ron like several <laughs> years before. Like, even though, you know, he's a flesh-eating monster, like, he had Harry and, like, Slughorn, like, in that moment. And he wasn't alone. And it, like, it was a moment that wasn't just, like, him being sad, burying him, and then just sitting sadly in his hut all day. Like, he had company. It so. was sad. <laughs> Dare I say, maybe right up there on the top of the list with Double Double Toil and Trouble and Ring the Christmas Bell. I'm going to be honest, I don't get why you and Rob love that song so much, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think it maybe it's more of a guy thing where it's just like, you know, you're 
you're with the boys and you're just you're you're with the comrades you know and you're just having this moment together bonding male bonding something very foreign to women i guess oh for sure (laughs) so in book seven like we talked about hagrid carried harry out of privet drive with the seven potters he also carried Harry out from the Forbidden Forest when we all thought he was dead. Right. Um, I think those were two really big ones. I mean, do we know of any other? Well, I think Hagrid was also um, hosting in his hut secret, like, support Harry Potter meetings while the Death Eaters were at Hogwarts. And it got Hagrid in a ton of trouble. Like, he was still trying to rally support for him, even though he wasn't there. And it mm-hmm. could, like, as an adult, like, he could face very severe consequences for, like, throwing support for undesirable number one, right? With the kids, like, you know, they might be tortured and bruised up a little bit, whatever. Have students practice the unforgivable curses on them to teach them a lesson. But as an adult, like, that puts him in a very dangerous situation. And I, like... When Harry, like, heard that, he was just, like, very, like, overwhelmed with, like, wow. Like, and because Hagrid, like, ran off and, like, hid in the mountains after mm-hmm. that moment. When did he and run even off after and hid in the mountains? Still didn't name his child after him. I know. Exactly. My point, exactly. One of the biggest but, um, slights in the history of I... Harry Potter. Albus Severus. Oh. But then again, what? Albus Hagrid isn't all that much better. Yeah. Yeah. You don't look at a little baby and think, ah, yeah, Hagrid. Well, what is the etymology of Hagrid? It comes from um, haggard, which means looking exhausted and unwell. So, like, I mean, I get it, right? I swear, if I ever find out that it, it was Ginny Weasley... Who turned down the idea of Hagrid? Oh, so <laughs> oh, so she's all, already low on the list. That, that Ginny already not gave save Harry, you. Ginny already gave Harry basically all the leeway with naming those kids. You know, there was nothing, and like <laughs> that's something that made me so like mad. Like reading it, um, you know, the names of his kids that Harry gave no craps about her dead brother, his brother-in-law. He's just like, yep, all these uh, children will be named based on things I care about. Cold-blooded. Maybe Ginny and George weren't that close, though. Maybe they weren't that close. I mean, they were so far in age. Because the boys were several years older than Ron and Harry. They were only like two years older than them. And then Harry and Ron were a year older older than than Ginny. I feel like they had a good relationship with her. Yeah. Yeah. More of Ron, who, who was like annoying to her. And Percy. I think that Ginny actually did have a really good relationship with them. Like, they're the ones that, like, kind of taught her how to play Quidditch and everything. And, no. mm-hmm. um, you know, I she, I think, genuinely enjoyed them. It was more of, like, Ron that she kind of wasn't very close with at all. And also Percy. But to be fair, no one liked Percy except Mrs. Weasley. But even then, she thought he was a little bit of a prat. So... I, I bet Ginny would have loved to at least have one of their kids have George as a middle name, but Harry got a little greedy, probably cried about my parents who did. And so she's like, fine, you can name the kids. I'm the boy Man. who lived, not the boy who died. <laughs> <laughs> I am the chosen one. I may have chosen both of my son's names. And to be honest with you, I felt so bad for Hagrid. I thought about naming one of my sons after Hagrid. (laughs) (laughs) But then Paige wouldn't allow it. Nine months could not break her down to Hagrid. (laughs) So what else do we know about Hagrid? He loves dragons. I'm going to go with a dragon. I think about Hagrid throughout the series... And, you know, there's definitely moments that come to my mind as like some of my favorite moments. Those, of course, being in book, is it book two, where Hagrid is comforting Hermione after being called a mudblood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he looks at her and he wipes a tear out of her eye and he says, don't you think on it. Don't you worry about it for one minute. Um, that's one of my favorite moments with Hagrid. Other ones involve him yelling at Dursley, mm-hmm. calling him an old prune. Dry up, Dursley, you great old prune. <laughs> yeah. 
I love the uh, moment where he tries to turn Dudley into a pig, but because he was so piggish already, he, all he could do was produce a tail. I'm, uh, I see this with Lord of the Rings too, and that like I love like the start of stories. I think for me, it's definitely like the closing scene of Sorcerer's Stone when they're getting on the train. And Harry's like, wait, I have to go say bye to Hagrid. And you see Hagrid last time. And he's like, you weren't thinking about leaving without saying goodbye. And, you know, they just hug. And it's just, like, a great ending. And then, you know, obviously you have the clincher, which is, I'm not going home. Not really. <laughs> but I also really love him doing his best to peacock to Madame Maxine. So good. But also, I got to say, like, you think of Hagrid as like this happy-go-lucky guy and it's like just no matter what and in those books like well in that book he gives uh Madame Maxine a like the cold shoulder because um why was it like she did something that like really irritated him was it like from one of the tasks or something I can't remember but he well, like I remember her saying and her being mad at Hagrid because he said that she was half giant and mm. her saying, no, I'm really big boned because she was ashamed of her giantess background. Maybe that's why he gave her the cold shoulder. She might have tried to act like things were fine after that. And he's just like, no, like, why are you like pretending that you're mm. not? I don't know. I can't remember. But I just remember like Harry was like kind of surprised at like his reaction to her. Took a page out of old Papa Matuzo's book. Do me dirty once. You're dead to me. I don't care what you do. <laughs> that's a very uh italian mobster thing to say i think <laughs> he told me that bit of advice when he was telling me about this girlfriend at college who left him stranded at the train station waiting for her oh <laughs> and then she went over to him and was like hey how come you don't how come you're not talking to me anymore and he was like we're done done so <laughs> <laughs> Leave me at the train station. Dunzo. <laughs> the number of times oh, I've been popped. forgotten. The number of times my grandparents forgot me when they were supposed to pick me up. If I had to pop them <laughs> away. Would not okay, but they would feel anymore. bad when they did. And they would like give you cake or something. They forgot me and they're like, oh, tough luck, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie, you brought up earlier Lord of the Rings as you were reading and kind of comparing the two. I think of in Return of the King when you have this moment with the hobbits and everybody looks at them and says, you know, my friends, you bow to no one. And it's almost like mm. a similar moment with Hagrid at the end of book two when he comes back from Azkaban after being gone for the whole year and mm. everybody applauds and, you know, it's this big thing. Welcome home, Hagrid. Hogwarts isn't the same without you. Chills. I have chills. Mm-hmm. I feel like she gives a lot of that type of attention to Hagrid in the beginning books, but then he loses, not his value, but like maybe they forget his value as they get older. You know what I mean? Like you just, you don't and, have that many like endearing scenes as the books go on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as they get older, you know, they have other interests, you know, they have boys and girls doing boys and girls things, hanging out in the staircase with Lavender Brown. Mm. Ronald. Ronald Billius Weasley. <laughs> Cold. I mean, he's not even at King's Cross in the final scene. Well, he's I in just... Hogsmeade waiting for all the kids. He's going to bring those first years down to the docks. Yeah, Does he should have it... been in the last scene. Hagrid is still uh, at Hogwarts when um, like Harry's kids are going off to school, right? I believe he is. I it, think it doesn't somebody... It in the... In the, in the prologue or epilogue, right? No, they mentioned give my love to uh, Neville, but not Hagrid. Oh, yeah. that's a that's a low blow then, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Because I just, um, I guess I like kind of knew he was this old, but like the number still surprised me. But he was eighty nine when Harry like started going to school. No, like that's what I just that's what I saw. No, he was born in 1928, which, of course, mm. I don't know the math. 1928 was his birth year. and then, He couldn't have been um, more than 70 years old. That's still pretty old, though. 
Not for half giant. Maybe he was 89 when the Battle of Hogwarts happened. No, but because even then, that might, you know, they're only at Hogwarts for seven years. To my knowledge, he is still gamekeeper into the era of the Cursed Child. He's got to be referenced in the Cursed Child, right? He makes only two appearances, which means probably when they go back in time. Oh, this just grinds my gears. What? Well, I mean, he can't live forever. Got it, girl. You don't know the words? No. <laughs> Who's Reverend Green? Surprise! Hey! <laughs> this cackles loudly. <laughs> what is that? Rob, where have you been? I went to see Clue on stage. <laughs> is that Josie right really... here? It might be. Very may well she be. Sounds mad as heck. <laughs> oh, you know, she's with her mother. What's that supposed to be? <laughs> like her favorite person in the world. She is. She sure is. You know what I mean? But sometimes you can just you you can be a little lippy with the people you love. I suppose. That's Rob. You came lippy. in just at like the end of the episode. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't interrupt anything then. Oh. You could uh, share your favorite uh, Hagrid moment. Oh, favorite Hagrid was, moment? Mine was kind of snarky. What ones did everybody share? I said when he gave Dudley a pig's tail. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. What was Liz's? Um, both the end of Philosopher's Stone when like we're saying bye to Hagrid, and then and when it gives him the album. Oh. And um, well, I didn't say the album, but just in general, oh, just the goodbye. That's... But. The um, album is like it's so sweet. Well, I, I like that's a good point. I didn't bring it up, but um, also when um he's trying to a peacock to Madame Maxine. <laughs> Hagrid, you have you combed your hair? <laughs> Does that cologne? Hagrid, are that, you wearing a suit? <laughs> Hagrid, is that is that a a whole giant sunflower in your pocket? <laughs> oh, well, no. I suppose it is. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Hagrid moment is when Jim Dale goes, Oh, worry. No, no. <laughs> if I had to pick a, a favorite Hagrid moment, though, it would be in the Deathly Hallows when they're about to get ready for the Battle of Seven Potters. I mean, obviously, I do think probably the best is the end of uh, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, like what Liz mm. talked about, where he's saying goodbye to Harry. You know, and it's it's the sweetest moment because you see the relationship that Hagrid really has towards Harry, where he really does consider him like almost like a nephew, you know, and mm -hmm. he really wants to take care of him. And then he gives him the he gives him the photo album of his parents. And it's like, how many times is that referenced in the books? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like something that's clearly so valuable to Harry, especially mm -hmm. since he he never had pictures of his parents. His, yeah, I mean, I forgot about the album. I mean, mm -hmm. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia weren't going to put up any pictures of them. And then it's yeah. like you had moving pictures where it was like you could you you really felt like they were there with you. You know, it was almost like that scene from Onward where he was playing that tape recording and just like imagining he was having a conversation with his dad. Yeah. Right. Rob, let me tell you, I've referenced it was sad. It and was nobody, sad. Nobody's <laughs> joined in. I thought it was your moment. It's like it's not even like you don't even know the words that they're singing, <laughs> and it's like the truest Irish bar song you've ever heard. Like when, <laughs> when everybody is too drunk to even make intelligible noises. And they're like, and we burned up all the children's books. <laughs> and like, what is that? Oh, what was that uh, movie? That was the movie with, uh, oh my gosh, that was the movie with uh, Will Ferrell. I think it's the other guys, right? Where they're saying, it's like, I gave my heart to Karen. She promised to be true. And all these Irish guys are just humming in the background. And the children all got pink eye, and all their Harry Potter books were burned. And that's how we bring it full circle to Harry Potter. I forgot that they even said Harry Potter books. 
I just remember the children all got pink eye. <laughs> and the children all got pink eye. But that's like that great moment where he's sitting there. Was that Jay's moment where he's sitting there with uh with Professor Slughorn and they're singing that song? It's like Everyone, which was sad. Oh man. All right. So what I was saying was was I'd say the my favorite one that I would bring to the table would be right before the Battle of Seven Potters, when uh, everybody's taking you know the potions and they're deciding on who's going to be flying with who. Who's the one who gets to take Harry to the burrow? Hagrid steps up and he says, "I brought you here 17 years ago when you were no bigger than a wee bow truckle, or as Justin would call it, a twiggy." A twiggy. <laughs> and he said, it se- only seems right that I'd be the one to take you out. You know, I just, man, mm-hmm. you, you just think about the 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 biggest hearted man that you've ever, not, not just big in stature, but big in heart. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How many times have everybody else cried during the episode? I'll take that yeah. as zero. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> me neither, guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> goodness no it's just winter wind blowing in my face (laughs) (laughs) thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of the slug club podcast if you like the conversation and you want to hear more you can find the slug club podcast on spotify or also on apple podcasts if you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations new podcast episodes you can follow us on our social media at The Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.